I uh, missed being with y'all uh, last week. I hope that you enjoyed Brother James Roper uh, preaching and filling in for me last week. And interestingly enough, uh, we were part of the same pastor group online, and that's actually how I met him originally was uh, through a, 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 an online group. And I ended up, he lived right there close by, and he pastored a church right there close to where I grew up, never met the man. Uh, it was very, very interesting uh, how we... Uh, came to know each other so uh, i hope that you enjoyed him and uh, i pray and, and i had the confidence in him that uh, you did uh, but today if you have your bibles will be in the book of second samuel uh, chapter 11 uh, much like kimberly she got up here and she said she was fighting uh, with god about uh, singing or what to sing uh, i kind of fought with god saying i'm not going to preach that uh, that's been preached enough and, and i don't really think that needs to be preached and uh I found out uh, pretty pretty quickly that, well, that's too bad. I'm going to preach it anyway. So, well, uh, Lord being our helper this morning, we'll preach what God tells us to do. Second uh, Samuel chapter 11. If you would, please stand to pay reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Second uh, Samuel chapter 11, starting with verse 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come together here this morning. We pray, Lord, that we'll obey you in all things and uh, continue to lead us, continue to guide us. And Lord, I pray for peace and understanding. I pray for comfort. I can pray that we just uh, more understand your scripture, Lord, that we can live a life closer to you before it's too late. Continue to bless us, watch over us, and strengthen us this week, and strengthen this message uh, through your power and through your honor your glory. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Now, if you can be seated in uh, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11. Now, we've been in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, and uh, maybe this will be the last one, and I won't keep on dragging y'all through Samuel, but... Uh, uh, like I said, I, I was hoping to maybe skip this one just because I've heard this preached a hundred times. And uh, I, I think a lot of preachers like to uh, preach something new <laughs> in so many ways. It's a little different. But uh, most of us know this story. Uh, I guarantee you, if you've been to Revival, you've probably heard this at some point uh, from different preachers. But if you read Second Samuel chapter 11, I know we've skipped a lot of chapters from the last time uh, that we were in Samuel, but what you see is the last time we were there, uh, we see David go get the Ark of the Covenant. He goes and pulls it out. A man dies. There's the celebrations and things going on. and uh, He even goes above and beyond what God tells him to do to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. You'll see months and months. I, I don't know if it's years of battles. There's, there's constant battles that David is going through. And, uh, Pretty much what David is doing is he's cleaning house. He is reclaiming Israel and what it's supposed to be. He's going to the farthest landmarks of what God has promised and claiming it, going to the farthest places here and claiming it. Uh, he's winning battles after battles. Uh, and there's, if you read uh, going, going up to this, uh, uh, people are almost uh, scared to death of David. There's even, uh, I believe in the previous chapter, where uh, somebody's, uh, somebody's uh, family has a dead uh, family member and he sends people to comfort them. And they say, 
see David's uh, people come in and think, well, hey, David's sending spies, and uh, they go in and shave half of David's servants' beards off uh, just to humiliate them and run them out of town. And of course, news gets back to David, and David uh, uh, sets things straight. And so we see a lot of bickering, a lot of problems, a lot of wars, battles uh, leading on this. This is a lot of fighting is going on. And we start this chapter, I think, very interestingly enough, because we see so many battles leading up to this. It starts off and it says, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, it says, At the time when the kings go forth to battle. So, I'd like to think that we get to the beginning of this chapter and there's maybe a season of peace. There's a little bit of time where they went home, uh, they've regathered their troops, they went back to their families, uh, they've taken a little bit of a break in so many ways, from battling because they can't battle just all the time. You can't stay on the battlefield. You'll, you'll lose hope. You'll get tired. You don't see your family. I see uh, David bring the children of Israel home to their families for a certain time. And then we see after that, after the time when kings go uh, forth to battle, uh, that we see that he sends Joab. It says, and David sent Joab and his servants with him. And it says, in all Israel. Now what that's trying to tell us is that he sends Joab as pretty much the head of his military army. And he sends the whole military army. When it says all of Israel, all the servants, all the people that they had uh, captured, all the people that served Israel went out to fight. That doesn't mean all the families went. It just means all the people went out to fight. And what does it say? It says that they destroyed Ammon when they got there. Uh, they overthrew Ammon very quickly. They destroyed them. They took everything from them. It says they destroyed them. And it says that they took Rabbah. Now, in so many ways, I see David sitting in Jerusalem. He sent Joab to, to take care of business. And so many times, David has always been there. David has been on the front lines fighting and fighting and fighting, and as a, a king should be, and as a, a leader is supposed to be leading in the front lines and leading by example, David has always been in the camp. David has always led uh, through his experience, through his knowledge, because God has blessed him. Now, David has decided that I'll send Joab and all the... the army of Israel because maybe, I, I don't know, the scripture does not say this, but maybe he's tired, maybe he's burned out, uh, maybe he's ready for a break, uh, uh, maybe a lot of things, uh, but we see him send Joab and his army, they defeat uh, this city, they overthrow it uh, very easily, very quickly, and then we see David stay behind. David is seeing that everything's good. Why would I need to go? Because Joab can do just as good a job as I can do. Uh, Joab has went forth and led my people, uh, led Israel, and I'm sitting here in the palace. I've trained Joab well enough. He's doing a, a good job. Now, David said that, well, they don't need me and everything's going good. But what really happened to David at this point is that we all need to realize that David let his guard down. David said everything's good, everything's all right, I can stay at home. David said, I have trained somebody good enough to do my job, I'm going to sit at home and let them do my job. And we see, uh, maybe, be, maybe, I'm, I'm, I may be stretching it, but we may see some laziness, we may be seeing some boredom, we may be uh, seeing some other things seep into our life because uh, he took the summer off. He took a little time off 
to say, well, I, I think everything's going good. Everything is going to fit. Everything is going okay. But what we need to realize about David is he let his guard down. He became lazy. He got bored. And what happened was he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. It says that he went up on his rooftop. And many times, I want you to realize something about your life. We, a lot of times, are in the wrong place at the wrong time. I have caught myself in predicaments and in situations and in places that I should not have been if I was just doing what I was entrusted to do a lot of times. A lot of times we're caught in situations that we don't really have to be in. We have put ourselves in those places. David could have been on the battlefield and that was, that was David's job was to be on the battlefield, to be the king of Israel and to lead his armies through battle. But David said, well, I'll, I'll send this man and I'll let him do that. Uh, how many times have we caught ourselves thinking that, well, uh, somebody else can do the job just as good as me? Uh, somebody else can do that. Somebody else can say something to that person. Uh, somebody else can do that work. <coughs> we're in the wrong place at the wrong time, and we shouldn't have even been in the place that we're at. Many times this happens, and David, what did David do? He lusted after Bathsheba. And we all know this story. I don't have to go through and read these verses. You can if you don't know them pretty well. But he goes and he looks at Bathsheba. He sees a woman taking a bath on the rooftop. Sees a naked woman. Says, well, that's a, that's a beautiful woman. Calls upon her. Brings him into the palace. And he sleeps with her. That's what happens. He commits adultery. All because he did not go out to the battlefield and went up on his rooftop. And there's been people that speculated, well, that ain't the first time he went up there and saw Bathsheba. I don't know. I don't see that in Scripture. I see him go up on a rooftop, sees a beautiful woman, brings him in, commits adultery. That's what I see. I see David in the wrong place at the wrong time, making wrong decisions because he let his guard down. He thought that everything was okay. Now, we've slipped up, and I think every one of us have. I hope that nobody has committed adultery quite on the level that David has uh, uh, just by doing whatever he wants to, but we've all sinned some way. We've all done something that we were in the wrong place at the wrong time and taking a break, taking it easy, not thinking about God, not trusting in Jesus, and we made a mistake. And I'm not trying to make excuses for David, and I'm not trying to make excuses for any of y'all. I have known people that have done horrible things that are in ministry, and it just makes me sick to my stomach. And I have made mistakes. Trust me, church, your pastor, I sure ain't perfect. I sure am not a perfection on a, on a platter that everybody needs to model themselves after. I know that I make mistakes, and I know that everybody in here makes mistakes. I know people in here say things they should not say, do things they should not do, and you have done things that you are not proud of, church. You have. And David, uh, my goodness, if we can look at David here, and everybody, when they, when they teach about David, they focus on this one big mistake. And everybody knows this story. Everybody knows that he looked upon a woman and committed adultery. He made this horrible, horrible sin. But I want you to realize that the sin did not stop with adultery. The sin did not stop on his one night stand or however many times this happened. What happened next? We find in the story that Bathsheba conceived. She became pregnant. And what did David do? 
David, instead of repenting to God and saying, Lord, I'm sorry, instead of going to, to Bathsheba's home and, and doing certain things, whatever he had to do, correct whatever he did, he said, well, I'll just kill her husband. Well, first he tried to bring the husband in and try to cover his own tracks. Uh, but the husband wouldn't fall for that. He ended up having to send his husband out to the very heat of the battle in a hard place where there's strong men set him in the front lines and what happened your eye died. Not only did Bathsheba, he only committed adultery with Bathsheba, then he pretty much committed cold-blooded murder to her husband. And then I want you to realize something else for the next seven, eight, nine months, however long this goes on, he has to play like he brought in Bathsheba because, of his, because her husband has died. I'm going to marry her, do her a favor, and she just so happens to have my child shortly after the marriage. Do y'all not realize that David spent all that time covering up his sin? Uh, he went off and killed her husband as quick as he could and went ahead and marry, married her as soon as she became a widow, brought her into the home and said, well, we're having a child now. He tried to cover his tracks up. He tried to make it not look as bad as what it was. <clears throat> now, all these things were done. He steals, he kills, and he conceals. He does everything he can to cover up his sin. Now, if we look at David's life up to this point, the Bible does not show us hardly anything that I can really come up with that David sinned. I want you to go back and look. And we preach some of the things that David done. Yeah, David made a mistake pulling out the Ark of the Covenant. He goes back and he fixes it. But did David really sin? Was that, a, was that a sin of ignorance that he had or was that just openly sin? No. This was the first time in Scripture we can find David openly sinned. He knew what he was doing was wrong. And he caught himself up in this mess. David knows that he sinned. And I want you to realize who else knows that he sinned. God knows that he has made a mistake. God knows. As a result of what he did, David continuously gets deeper and deeper in sin. And David, what happens to David? I want you to realize David gets a visit. In the very next chapter of 2 Samuel chapter 12, it says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man, what does it say? Had nothing. Save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished up and grew it up together with him and with his children. He did eat his own meat and drank his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress of the warefaring man that was come unto him. But what does it say? But took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come unto him. And in verse 5 says this, And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man hath done this thing, shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold. Because he hath did this thing, and because he hath no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. 
Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. One of the most poetic, most uh, quoted pieces of Scripture, one of the most focused on, especially in the book of 2 Samuel, is thou art the man. A simple thing uh, that Nathan says to David here, we need to focus a little bit on our own lives, and Nathan had a tough job. Uh, Nathan had to go <coughs> to the king of Israel and prophesy uh, about a very wicked thing that he had done. Now, I can't imagine Nathan went in there, and if I say something too harsh, uh, David could have me killed. But Nathan goes in there, and I want you to realize what Nathan does. Uh, Nathan nurtures up some of his feelings, and Nathan nurtures up uh, uh, some of his feelings in his life, some of his emotions, to understand the treachery that David had done. Now, I believe if Nathan had went in there and said, David, I know what you did with Bathsheba, that wouldn't have been quite as, as moving. David, I know what's going on with you and your new wife. That isn't what happened. Nathan went in there and painted a picture for him to help him understand. Uh, so many times just telling people, hey, well, I know what you're doing. That doesn't really help. But sometimes when we kind of explain something to somebody and try to show somebody a picture, says, well, uh, this happened, this happened. We tell a story to somebody. And just as Nathan did, we really start to understand really what we've done in our lives. And that's what David needed to hear. David needed to hear exactly the emotional side and understanding from another perspective that he was in sin. They had done wrong. Uh, somebody tries to come to me and tells me, I don't really like the way that you did so-and-so last week. That, that may be rubbing me wrong. <laughs> but if they show me, they say, Zach, uh, this is the way that things need to be done. This is an example. And David had to hear this example. Now, it doesn't matter how long we spend covering our tracks and David had been covering his tracks for quite some time. And it doesn't matter. He hadn't considered in his life what he was doing and how it looked to God. How many times do we really consider what our lives look like to God? How would Jesus give His opinion on how our lives are living? It doesn't matter how hard we try to cover them tra the, the, the tracks. God knows. Jesus knows what's going on in our lives. We can try to cover it up all that we want to. And I want you to realize that He can cover those tracks and He's deep in sin. And it may not appear that we are, but God knows the sin that's in your life, the problems that's in your life. When it's shown to David and David truly realizes what's going on in his life, what does David do? David repents. David cries out. As David should, so should we. You know, uh, the city of David, the son of David. David is actually mentioned in the Bible only second to anybody else, and that's Jesus. David is called out over and over in the Bible. And in our studies, we talk about David a lot. And I've been preaching on David for, I don't know, a month and a half now, I think. But David is somebody that is so important, such a patriarchal uh, figure in the Bible. He was a shepherd guarding sheep, the youngest of all his brothers as we've already studied and called out from the wilderness and anointed as the king of Israel. A nobody became a somebody. And what we see here is that David made a mistake. He calls upon God. He repents. And I want you to realize something. We have to repent. We have to seek God for forgiveness. We have to call upon His name. But I want you to realize something. Even though David repented, what happened? David was punished. And it's very interesting to look upon the punishment that David got. Now, David not only gets punished, I mean severely, we know 
that that child dies. Bathsheba is pregnant with a child that she has got with David through adultery. The child's already been born as far as I can understand. And pretty much Nathan tells him that child is going to die. You're not going to have that child anymore. We see David cover himself in sackcloths and ashes. The child uh, became sick. He fell upon the floor crying and weeping. Uh, the people around him said, uh, we don't know what to do with David if this child dies. I'm not going to go tell David. And the child, what happens? He dies. David is punished for what happens in his life. For the sin that he committed, not only is David punished, but his family is punished because of what David has done. That child, that innocent little child, a lot of us, would we don't understand why a child had to die, why an innocent little creature, a little baby, had to die because of what David did. David was punished, and the, and the child died. Not only did the child die, if you continue to read on in Scripture and understand what happens in David's family, one of David's daughters is raped by her, her own brother. Yeah, that happens. Not only is David's daughter raped by her own brother, one of the other brothers, after he finds that, goes and kills the other brother. So we see all kinds of torment going on in David's life. Uh, his child dies, one of his sons died, his daughter is raped through incest. And then, not only that, he is promised by Nathan that the sword will never leave his house. You are constantly going to have to have battles within your own household because of what you've done. Why don't you go ahead and count those things off? He told Nathan that that man would have to pay fourfold back for what he did. Uh, four horrible things happened to David and his family. He paid fourfold for what he did. You're going to have to pay for your mistakes. You may make mistakes and you may call unto God and you may seek forgiveness and not all of you are going to be punished. I want you to realize something. But a lot of you will. A lot of you will be punished for what you do. I've had to reap what I sow plenty of times. I don't like getting punished. I don't. I don't like not being able to sleep at night. I don't like getting those spiritual whippings. Uh, I do not like everything in the house going wrong. My relationship with my wife suffering. Or relationships at work suffering because of mistakes that I make. Because I know that I made them. David knows what he's done. You know what you've done. You may be trying to cover it up. You may be trying to play the part where it's not there. But you've made mistakes. You've got sin in your life. You know, David and his family is punished. All these horrible things happen. But I want you to realize what God did. God forgave David. It says in 2 Samuel 12, 13, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He repented. And what does it say? And Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. David... The Lord has heard your repentance. David, the Lord knows your heart. I want you to know there are plenty of good people in this world. There's good people in this church. There's good people all over the place. There's good people that make mistakes. There are preachers that make mistakes, deacons that make mistakes, song leaders, anybody in the church over. Anybody in the church can make mistakes. But God will forgive you. Ain't it good to know that we've got a God that when we call upon Him, He hears us and forgives us. Ain't it good to know that David, even though he was punished and he went through hard times, he was blessed. His seed led to Jesus Christ. His family ended up being the patriarchal line to Jesus, the one that saved the world. 
because of David stepping forth out of the wilderness, because he was anointed there in that old pasture. He went out and he fought Goliath. He went out there and he brought back the Ark of the Covenant. He went out and fought battles and got back the kingdom of Israel. He did all these wonderful things, but every one of us can make mistakes. David here was at the wrong place at the wrong time. God will forgive your sin, but it will have consequences. I've heard the story told that a little boy was told to go out and every time that he had something bad to say, instead of saying something bad, go out there and put a nail in a, in a post. Y'all probably heard that story. Go out there and put a nail in that post every time you want to say something mean, something hateful. And after so many nails was put in that post, he had to go out there and his daddy told him to go out there and pull the nails out of the post. And even after he put all those nails, all those horrible things that he thought, the mean things that he had said, he pulled them out and guess what? There were still holes in the post. Even though he pulled the nails out, there was still damage that was done. What we do reflects with us throughout our whole lives. We make mistakes. I followed David. Do you not think those people knew? You don't think the word got out that David was an adulterer? That David had made mistakes? That David lost his child because of what he did? That David's whole children's falling apart and all these battles are going on? And if you read about Solomon taking over as king, my goodness, there is horrible things that happen when Solomon just tries to take over the kingship. And when Solomon dies, there's even more going on. We see so much bad things happen because we made mistakes. We have to move past them. We're going to be punished a lot of times. But just as John the Baptist was in the wilderness crying, there's a simple message that John the Baptist gave in the wilderness. He said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. Seek God's forgiveness. Look to Him. Apologize to God for what we've done. Uh, how many times do we hold on to our sin? We hide it under a, a blanket. We take it home with us. We hide it in the closet. We hide it in our phones. We hide it in the computers. Uh, we think that God will not know about our sin, but God knows. God knows what you're going through. God knows your problems. God knows your sin. And this morning, I want you to realize something. You have to repent. At some point in your life, you have to say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me of my sin. God, forgive me of what I've done. That's the only way we'll ever get right with God. David made this sin, and my goodness, it's just a roller coaster. Nothing went right. I, I, can't, I can't hardly fathom the, the feeling that David had. Yes, I, have, I think that every one of us have probably had that feeling in our life that, man, I, I know that I shouldn't have done that, and now I'm going to pay for it. I probably shouldn't have done what I did, but now I'm going to have to reap what I sowed. Now I'm going to have to pay. And David did. And a lot of us do. I'll never get up here and preach that if you get saved, everything goes good the rest of your life. I'm never going to get up behind a pulpit and try to tell people that if you'll accept Christ, everything will be fixed the rest of your life. I've never found that in Scripture. The Bible tells us that we are healed, that we are cleansed. Yeah, everything's good for us to get the glory land. The home is waiting for us on the other side. But boy, the Bible tells us of tough times. The Bible tells us of temptation. The Bible tells us of sin that we will dwell in. The Bible also tells us that He'll be with us all the way even until the end. The Bible tells us that He'll always be willing to forgive us if we ask. The Bible tells us that if we ask, we shall receive. Praise the Lord. Today, if you have something in your life, if you've backslidden, you've got sin, you've got problems, you've got something coming up in your life that is affecting you, bring it to Him. I'm not saying it's going to get easier. 
But He'll forgive you. He'll help you. As they get a verse of some song ready uh, this morning, can we turn our lives over to Jesus Christ? Can we quit hiding our problems? Can we say, Lord, I know that I've made mistakes. Lord, I know that I have fallen short. Lord, I know this sin is in my life. I'm sorry. Lord, I know that I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done the things that I've done, but Lord, I know that You can forgive me. Lord, I'm ready to accept the punishment. Lord, I know the consequences of sin. I know that the consequences of sin, according to the Bible, is death. We are all sentenced to die one of these old days. But I'm glad through the glory of Jesus Christ, I have a home waiting for me in heaven. I, I know that when I leave this old world, I'm going to a place that has a perfection, a place that is wonderful. And I hope and I pray that each and everybody here this morning, that if you died on the way home, that if you had something happen to you today, I pray and hope that you've been like David. And even though you know that you've sinned, you know that you fell short, you've asked God to forgive you. The morning that I got saved, that's what I had to do. I had to ask God to forgive me. I know that I was a sinful man. I know that from time to time, every day, I need to ask God to forgive me. I know that I fell on short. And I hope and I pray that each and everybody here, that if, you've, if, if you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, your shortcomings, you've turned from your ways and you've turned your life over to Jesus, no matter what you're going through, I, I, I pray that you can do it today. I don't believe anybody here wants to see anybody die and go to hell. I don't believe anybody here wants somebody to hold on to their sin and never repent, never ask God to forgive them. I believe an entire church here this morning will support you no matter what you've done. David did a horrible sin here. God forgave him. As we stand, what page you got? 107.